Well, Brent is gay and Kaylin's gay and Clark is gay and Ryan's gay and Adam's gay. It's Homo Superior. Special extra issue into the Snyderverse. I'm Kaylin. Clark. Ryan. I'm Adam. And I'm Brent Wingate. Uh, and we are today talking about the finally released Zack Snyder cut of the Justice League because of the unfortunate uh, circumstances. Um, in Zack Snyder's family, he had to leave production of the original Justice League film, which had Warner Media uh, eventually or hire Joss Whedon to take over direction. It was critically and among fans disappointing. Plus, the unique circumstance kind of encouraged Warner Media to spend an additional seventy million on reshoots and editing under Snyder's direction to recreate the uh, story of the Justice League that he originally wanted to tell. There's uh, a lot more about that history that we're going to talk about. Um, But this movie is four hours long. So recapping all of the changes and the entire story would basically take as long as the film. In short, the movie centers around Batman, seeing the need to assemble a team of metahumans to defeat Steppenwolf, who is an alien conqueror seeking to collect and destroy, or collecting combine the three mother boxes, the boxes are a form of technology capable of destroying planets, restoring life, in particular cyborg and supermans, and having a really stupid name to say out loud. <laughs> so if you, have, if you have the time, watch the movie or don't. We're going to try and give as much benefit of the doubt to Snyder's production. But as a spoiler, we didn't really love it. So um, I want to do part one, the fact that this exists. Um, <laughs> As a kind of opening question, it's started to receive some uh, critical approval and fan approval, uh, although you know critics are pretty mixed on it. Um, are we crazy? Did we did we watch a different movie? What is it about this that feels so weird, Kaylin? So um, a few of us I know asked some of our friends uh, and loved ones about you know who may have had a positive reaction about why. They enjoyed the movie, and it seems the most of the people who really enjoyed it um, are comparing it to the theatrical cut. And so they either rewatched it recently or they just have bad memories of the theatrical cut, which is a mess of a film. And compared to that, they're like, oh, this is so much better. I will grant them that, that it is a more cohesive film, um, although it's got its own flaws that we're going to get into in our discussion. But I think when you're sort of comparing the two, like you're grading on a curve, you know, some people really enjoyed it. I couldn't bring myself to rewatch the theatrical cut. Uh, I um, watched uh, Batman v Superman, Donna Justice, because I hadn't seen it since the, the what was released in the theaters. Uh, I watched the, I guess, the ultimate edition that's on HBO Max. And it, uh, I was like, I, I can't, I cannot bring myself to watch another movie because I know I have to watch the, the, the Snyder cut when it is released finally. So um, I don't have the benefit of grading on a curve. I am just grading it full stop. So, Ryan? I I think uh, it, it's funny times right now because we're still all basically quarantining uh, for almost like two years. And let's just say that. And uh, w- with that, uh, some great stuff comes out of it, right? Uh, so people are becoming socially aware of certain things that maybe they were not looking at before um but with that too people are also bored out of their goddamn mind so i think 
what really came about <laughs> during these terrible times that we're currently in with our climate, but like it, I think Snyder cut really got legs in the way that I don't think it ever should have. They basically just redid a movie and they just go, uh, uh, and so it's, it's, it's very tough to perceive this as something else without taking what came before. With that said, it's a lot better, but it's still a tough pill to swallow, I think. Clark? I, I hate when someone has to make something seem better by comparison to something that's bad. Yeah. It's like me saying, like, well, I'm intermittently having diarrhea, but at least I'm not wearing a, an old person's diaper. I mean, shit. <laughs> neither thing is good. I don't understand that concept. And then actually crowing about that fact. Why do you think it was good? Because it was better than a piece of garbage. Oh, great. Yeah. I mean, absolutely no. I just, it, that, 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 it's unfathomable to me that that is how people's minds work and how something can be good for that reason. Yeah, well, and I, I think Brian's right in terms of the quarantine. People are still looking for escapism and people are also looking for free shit on HBO Max, right? So this whole year, we're getting like HBO Max movies immediately. And so I think I, you know, I'm only saying this because I'm thinking through this now based on what you've all been talking about. This movie is also technically free for anyone that already has a subscription. So I think your already point of entry of enjoyment is even lower like a lower threshold of required enjoyment or perceived enjoyment because it's like, Oh, whatever. I just get to kind of casually pick it up and play with it. And I do, I totally agree that you should not be comparing that should not be the basis. It should be more absolute quality versus relative quality. But I do think there, as much as I found the overall Snyder campaign toxic, I do think that the original intent while like Kayla mentioned, still full of its own issues that come from Snyder's obvious like specific vision or perspective on making movies in mind. I do think it is a much higher quality experience that certainly doesn't represent DC the way it should be represented, but is still, it's still like a, a average entry in the general superhero genre, if not a little bit better. So I can see why people like that relative growth and seeing what was supposed to be the finished product. But yeah, there's, I don't think we're wrong. I just think that we're looking at it at an absolute versus relative curve. Caleb? Well, I'll let Clark make his quick point and then I'll, I've got this, a different, this wasn't a different point. supposed to be the finished product. He didn't say, I'm going to make a four-hour movie at the beginning. Then they weren't going to ever, ever allow that. This is a, an expanded version of what he wanted to do. Yeah. Which is probably why, which is actually, that's, that's the part of like what makes it bad is like, there wasn't any editing I think the best version of this movie would have been 30 minutes shorter, his vision, but with somebody actually kind of putting on some guardrails. Um, but yeah, sorry, I mean, I, I, that's fair, Clark, because I know that you know you didn't just make up $70 million. What? Okay, yeah. Hang on. So uh, two, two quick points. One, just to kind of add on to what Adam and Ryan said, and then one that's a little bit separate is, I think um, being at home and like being able to watch something at your own leisurely pace, I think helped. I can see a scenario where this gets released in a theater and people are like four fucking hours. <laughs> are you kidding me? Do I get an intermission? Uh, do I get to come back, go to dinner, you know, then watch the rest of the movie? I don't think people would have been as charitable to it if we had to watch it in a theater. The other point I want to make, um, and this is something really kind of positive by Zack Snyder, because I have definitely shit on him before on this podcast, but 
you know, especially what we've heard in recent uh, weeks and months about Joss Whedon, Zack Snyder seems like a decent human being. I am just going to say this, like he did this, he, he uh, as Brent mentioned, he had to walk away from the film on his own volition because of the unfortunate suicide of his, of his daughter and he dedicated the movie to her, which is really sweet. Um, you know, Joss Whedon is a piece of shit. Uh, he has treated his cast and crew terribly and everybody who seems to have worked with Zack Snyder says he's a really decent human being. And I think maybe as I'm getting, you know, like softer in my old age, um, I just think there, I, 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 I can't put enough of a premium on people just being good to one another uh, right now. And I, I, I want to, I want to highly underline that before we get really critical of the art. And so I want to separate the art from the artist here. Brett? Well, going out off of that, there's a lot about the creation of this that um, relates to, you know, the kind of unique circumstance plus a toxic culture um, that was part of the genesis of this movie, which was um, fans were disappointed by Whedon's version. And so uh, there was a trending hashtag release the Snyder cut, which was taken from statements that Zack Snyder said that he had, they had filmed a bunch of stuff. It didn't have any of the editing or green screening uh, work that would need to be done, but it was basically sitting on his laptop. And that kind of started a snowball where uh, lots of fans, often angry males uh, who wanted to see this, um, you know, would harass people associated with Warner Media or any part of the production in order to get this made. Um, does any part of that, that fact uh, diminish the movie in your mind? Do you think that um, that encourages people to try and utilize a mechanism the same way that writers, or the writers, for example, in Game of Thrones were, you know, pilloried for the bad season eight and they asked to have it redone. Clark? I mean, it d- diminishes it in my mind because, I mean, we're just talking about how Zack Snyder is a really good guy, but it, he's incapable of saying these, like he he's not, um, you know, he's not controlling his monster fans. Fucking, this is a, a, a non sequitur, but recently Taylor Swift had all her monster fans attack this shitty show on Netflix called who knows Ginny and Samuel or Georgie who the fuck knows <laughs> anyways and they're like doxing the fuck out of all the creators because one character called um, her a slut at some point and she hasn't said word fucking one and, and it's I, I just have a problem with and then I don't know it's getting worse once again now that this movie came out they're once again freaking out and yelling at everybody at Warner Brothers and trying to make it so that the whole Snyderverse comes back and anything they're trying to do that's not Snyder doesn't exist anymore. And so as of today, Warner Brothers is, is like trying to say, don't attack these people, don't attack these people. But, you know, they need someone to literally, Zack Snyder literally has to like go on fucking television and say, fucking stop it. I thought you said they had to go and fuck a television. I was like, that's you know what? He's got to. I want to watch that. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, Kalen. Yeah, I I, I think he definitely needs to do more of that. But I will, again, give him credit. Um, Maybe I'm being too charitable. But uh, he went after some like comic skate types, including uh, a bunch of folks who do a YouTube series called uh, uh, Gamers and Geeks or Geeks and Gamers. I can't remember the, the sequence. And he basically said, like, y'all are a bunch of, like, assholes. Y'all are Nazis. And, like, they kind of came for him, um, you know, because he took a stand against them. So, you know, good for him to do that. I do agree he needs to do more. I 
don't think it's okay for any kind of fan to feel entitled with a creative type to say, you need to do this. You can either choose to consume or not choose to consume. And you don't have to just be addicted to, to creative types at all. So I, I completely agree in that sense. Right. So uh, let's talk about two of the biggest structural changes to the movie. Um, the first being that it is dramatically extended to being four hours long. Uh, and the other being the aspect ratio is now four, three. What did you guys think of those decisions? Uh, how do they help the movie or, or change the experience from uh, the Whedon version? Adam? Uh, I think the general timing worked for me. I know they added a lot more content on the introductory characters of the Justice League. So we got a lot more Aquaman time. We got a lot of cyborg time. Um, and then we also got uh, a decent, it was sort of like an evolution, I think, of the Flash from the theatrical release. I'm not going to say all four hours were intelligently used, but I do think that a lot of the new content really helps layer in uh, in creating a more robust character palette. Because I think previously in the original theatrical release, the, one of the biggest problems was so many of the new characters barely got time, particularly Cyborg. So I'd especially knowing what was kind of happening off screen, I think it's a nice like full circle uh, for for the actor and the character in terms of like being able to tell a more holistic story and also a more somber one too because uh, in the theatrical release I believe Cyborg's uh, what is it Silas or whatever his father stays alive but in this one obviously his father sacrifices himself to keep going I'm not saying it was that worthwhile of a sacrifice but again it really bleeds and builds into the character more the four three ratio I fucking hated it so much I get that that was supposed to be the integrity of keeping the entire image and everything like that. I just wasn't, I wasn't fully buying it. And I think it's because our brains have been trained so much for widescreen or letterbox. Um, and it was just, it was kind of disappointing. They couldn't figure out some way to uh, get that to work. But yeah, it didn't stop me from enjoying the movie, but it did feel like I was watching a weird HD nineties movie, which I was really confused about. Well, soon right. you'll be able to see it in a four-three ratio and in black and white. So uh, I hope that's the way it's, originally supposed to be viewed. Kaylin. So the um, the four three didn't actually bother me. And I didn't even notice until a friend of ours said, well, what did you think about it? I was like, and I looked up, I was like, oh, it isn't four three. Huh. Okay. It didn't, it just, it, it, it just didn't like register with me at all. And it didn't uh, affect my enjoyment or lack of enjoyment. I should say uh, one, one, uh, one way or the other. Uh, I am glad that like, you know, Ray Stevens got a little bit of um, a little bit of uh, pardon upon justice by having, you know, more fleshed out um, storyline for him. But my God, the pacing, it was a slog. <laughs> like the, the Whedon cut, the theatrical cut has its problems. It's bad, but it's as, as Clark mentioned off podcast, it's, it's fucking zippy compared to this. It moves. It's just like anytime there's like any kind of rising action, like the, everything just slows down and it gives you all this backstory and it kills the momentum and it just made it so, 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 so tough to get through. If I didn't have to review it for this podcast, I would have shut it off after like hour one or 90 minutes. Brian? Uh, <clears throat> yes. Uh, the, the extra backstory with a lot of stuff was a lot better. So we got more Wonder Woman. We got more Cyborg. We got even more Mother Box that I was like, okay, but <laughs> we, okay, we needed to know why they were so significant because you didn't really know that in the theatrical release. Mm -hmm. With that all said, 
that does not make you a good storyteller because it's longer. And we need to get away from like, well, he added the most because like that doesn't, you know how to give better intention with these little bit of scenes and cut it together in a way that all makes sense where you don't have to add a literal two hours to a film for it to make sense. It's, it, it's outrageous that we were even considering it. Like, and this would not be what he would have originally done. So it's, it, it's a little bit silly sometimes that we even think that like, well, this is what it would have been because it's definitely not. Brent. Clark. Brent. Clark. Oh, you called Brent. Okay. Clark. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I was thinking, and I read your question wrong. Um, instead of this, I thought it was A. Um, I was thinking about what makes a four hour movie functional or how it would work without yeah. you getting like fucking slogged as shit. So I, um, there are a couple I had in mind that I actually really love. Magnolia is one of them. And I just watched this movie, a uh, Kurosawa movie called Redbeard. And I think four hour movies work when um, either, and I'm also thinking of Shinda's List, although it's not actually to four hours, it's three and a half, I believe. But it needs to have like extreme emotional weight where this did not. This was surface storytelling, broad characterization, everything. Oh, like, okay, you have an issue with your father. You have an issue with this and that. Everyone's written that shit. Give me some real deep stuff. The other thing, like, as in the case of Magnolia and, and um, the Kurosawa Redbeard I was just talking about, I want, char- like, characterization, but characterization that is unique enough that you, we, you get lost in their story or in their present, not their backstory, because their back everyone's backstory is fucking exhausting half the time. Mm-hmm. But I want to like feel their moment, not watch their moment and be like, oh, look at the plot that's unraveling. <laughs> and this one was too long. Literally, I was about one hour and 15 minutes in. Um, no, excuse me, all the way around. I was 32 minutes in and thought I was an hour and 15 minutes in. I was so <laughs> fucking long. Um, of all the that's characters, of the slow all the character though. extensions you're talking about, it's good to get backstories. As I was saying, I, I don't care about the extending it if it's just broad. But I did think the addition to the motherboard, the motherboard, um, the mother box stuff and like just any sort of the space related stuff and the big battle and everything. It, it made sense. It gave me interesting story that wasn't as broad as fuck. So and then the four, three letterbox, then whatever the fuck it's called. <laughs> I, I was reading that he did that because comics are a vertical medium and blah blah blah. But a four four three or whatever the hell it is, that's still not that's still not a, that's not vertical. All, all <laughs> comics are are sh- are shaped like squares. So yeah, exactly. <laughs> but squares that are um uh, slightly more um elongated than actually square. Uh, Adam and then Kalen. Uh, no, I yeah, I mean. I did, like I said, I think it was a, a definitely a, there's a lot of wasted time. Um, I do like what you're saying, Clark, and I would agree that like, if you're going to tell a four hour movie, you've got to have a real story, a legacy worth telling for four hours. And that, that wasn't here. And I actually felt the, on the flip side, the extended, this extended version actually ended up undercutting what I think I enjoyed about really having like Wonder Woman play kind of front personality like I felt like she was used for a lot of exposition and a lot of searching and I think what really ended up happening is that a lot of the characters that maybe even seemed like they had more character arc in the theatrical cut lost any kind of arc in this like especially Superman Batman Wonder Woman like 
it's a lot of like tagged on stuff versus uh, uh, actual evolution. Sorry, go ahead, Kevin. Uh, I think Clark wanted to make a point about that, but because I was going to no, go. No, you had a finger up. Go, go. Okay, um, I was just going to say really quickly. Um, uh, the uh, when when Clark was talking about four-hour movies that really work, um, I think about um, the Godfather saga, which mm -hmm. was a televised version of parts one and two told in chronological order. So it's like all the Vito stuff, like where Robert De Niro was playing young Vito, all coming from Sicily to the United States, going to his story. Then it goes into Michael's story from part one, and then it finishes up with Michael's story in part two. And then like that, like it's hard, it's hard not to compare those two because they, like that was not meant for a theatrical release. It was meant for TV, uh, similarly to the, uh, the Snyder Cut. And it is, uh, it's actually about like five or six hours. And I'm engrossed every time that comes on AMC. Like I own it on Blu-ray. I don't give a fuck if it's on, I'm going to sit and watch it because I'm so engrossed with all the characters and all the drama and even sometimes the melodrama that, that Clark uh, referred to. One last point I'll, I'll just quickly make because uh, I was thinking about the black and white stuff that, that Brent mentioned. Uh, it is very much like what DC Comics is doing by trying to repackage their like prestige comics like Watchmen and Dark Knight Returns by just doing black and white and selling it for more money. And I'm like, all you did was tick the color out. These comics <laughs> weren't meant to be black yeah. and white. Don't fucking do this with the Snyder Cut, but it still yeah. tax. Um, did anyone, uh, um, did anyone watch, so did anyone watch the movie right before, excuse me, the original right before watching this four hour slog? slog? No. I couldn't okay, do I it. Watched, I, couldn't do I watched the, the original afterwards and it made me slightly appreciate the original <laughs> because it went so fast. And this movie, Jordan. Said, this movie undercut half the characters. Like, I mean, it, it made, like, as you said, Wonder Woman, I felt like she was barely there. Yeah. She was there to look at things and talk about things in the past. And what, and what you would call it, we'll talk about those later. Sorry. We'll talk about characterization later. Um, Brent. Part two. We're going to play the game, <laughs> Fix It, uh, where you can actually get into that, Clark. Uh, the name of the game, you get to make one change to the movie uh, to make it better you get to make only one uh, what change do you make I think uh, for me it's uh, change it from being a four-hour movie to being two two-hour movies <laughs> and uh, structure it so that you're actually doing two movies rather than one really long boring one Kalen I would switch the bad guy honestly um because in this snyder cut you get to see more of uh dark side's court including desaad and and granny goodness who has no speaking role i would have rather they do a combination of some folks who weren't uh, just like um somebody who's just a brute like uh, steppenwolf have desaad who's like just dark side's chief torture have um uh uh, G glorious Godfrey, who you may remember from young justice has been in that, uh, as well as the legends comic series where he's like, almost like a, uh, like a Tucker Carlson type who, uh, he's a, he's like a dark new God, but like takes over like a Fox news type show where he's attacking the heroes and have somebody else. And you can then like do something a little bit more, um, uh, I don't know, a little bit more, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for, insidious with these characters than just have somebody who's just, you know, brutally attacking them like you see in every generic superhero movie. And then you could kind of build up to 
a dark side and like him focusing on the whole anti-life stuff. Ryan? Ryan. This is, uh, this is truly like a return to comic book movies that are just big action. And then sometimes maybe the plot can kind of come and go when it is necessary. And if you're going to create this sort of film, like just why not fucking lean into it? If you're going to introduce Martian Manhunter in the stupidest way possible, <laughs> have Green Lantern show up at the very end too. Uh -huh. like, have an epic battle. If it's all going to be a video game at the very end, just fucking do it. Just treat it like 300 <laughs> already. You've already made that movie. Just fucking treat it like that and do it up. Also, make it shorter, please. It's just like what? Please, just lean into it or don't. You can't. He he's trying to give off a lot of different things. Where like it has heart, it doesn't. It's it's an action movie, but also there's way too much blood. You're like it. It you need to know what you're doing, and I think when you when you shoot for everything you get a four-hour movie so just fucking do what you wanted to do which is have shirtless men be on camera for most of the movie and that is gay culture and i appreciate that so i i do like, he is doing some good you know again kayla right, uh Kaylin, real quick and then yeah Mark. sure uh since you mentioned martian manhunter can i tell you how angry that made me because i love martian manhunter as a character and then when you had him, when you first see like Ma Kent talking to Lois in the kitchen, and then she goes and transforms Martian Manhunter. I looked up, I was like, "What the fuck was that?" And then he, then he turns into the sec and then he turns into the Secretary of State uh, from Batman v Superman. I was like, "Interesting choice. I don't mind that, but what the fuck was that?" And at the very end, when he shows up at the Coda, Bruce looks so bored. He's like, <laughs> "Yeah, cool." Yeah, yeah. Bruce yeah, you want to you want to help us fight? Yeah, cool. All right. Yeah. Um, why don't you come back uh, a little bit later on? I'm going to finish taking a nap and then maybe I'll I'm going to bang this like, you know, this this 10 over here. Uh, it was just <laughs> such a weird scene. Weird, weird, weird for a character I absolutely love. I, uh, I agree with Ryan almost entirely. I do. I think Martian Manhunter should have been in there like the first 30 minutes. Yeah, I think he should have been the one to do all the exposition shit. I hate the fact that the uh, Atlanteans remember all that, like they know the exact history of every single fucking moment of it as if it was written down like verbatim. The um, Amazon's the same way, but like the humans just dug a small hole and shoved it in there. <laughs> um, I think, yeah, I, I, I feel like- Still the best. I, I just hate the fact that it's all so earth-based and boring, but like this, I, this, all the space people come and blah, 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 even though they had a, the, the they knew, oh, excuse me, the Amazons knew there was a Green Lantern that was doing something. He must've been spacey, but who fucking cares? Let's not talk about him or ever show anything about it. And I do think, literally, as what Ryan said at the end, it should have been um, John Stewart, Green Lantern, coming in and saying, "Hey, join your league." Blah, 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 blah. They just they just pull up a phone and they're like, "Hey, quick, get here, get here, John." And he's like, "All right, well, now I'm part of the team." It has to do the blah, 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 or I won't accept. Well, yeah, I think this movie is relatively unsalvageable unless it was a third version of this movie that also required $70 million in reshoots. So the only thing I would change to make the movie 
better without having to reboot it a third time would just simply to cut out every five minute weird musical any any sequence that had a like licensed song to it i would like to kill in hellfire that is including <laughs> of like aquaman open walking to the ocean it's the licensed songs of those fucking dumb bitches singing along to it it's him going back into the ocean some other time and then playing that music it's them with wonder woman playing fucking music all the time whenever she does anything like well, music, don't, 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 cut that. don't cut that. Well, Please it wasn't, no, that's what it was. It, no, wasn't no, no, her, no. it wasn't even her theme. It, it was just like, her theme. Oh, it was like quiet chanting women that were up there. <laughs> it was wild to me. And so like, that's, it really, that was the thing that stung me the most. Like I could put up with a boring movie. If it's like, I can put up with some bad CGI, like I'll get through it and still figure out what I like and don't like. The only thing that killed me with every minute of this movie was how bad the musical selection was which again, I use on the licensed music because I know that um, they brought back the guy from Junkie XL to do a lot of the regular score. And that I don't really remember at all, which is fine and <laughs> it's like generally serviceable. But like, my God, anytime a song had lyrics in it, I wanted to kill myself. And I know that it's his favorite song, but Hallelujah has to stop showing up in every oh, single one of Zach Bender's movies. It was his daughter's favorite song. So I can yes, get Yes, that's true you. too. So that is reasonable. And I thought it was a good rendition of that song because it was like more of a melodical one. But it is, he has real bad musical taste. (laughs) (laughs) Kaylin, real quick. Yeah, I would just say, uh, if you had the subtitles on when the Arabic sounding music came on, it was like incandescent sad music. (laughs) And I couldn't stop laughing. That was worse than any of the the songs with lyrics in it. But like, it was anytime Wonder Woman was on screen. Brent? Um, Part three, the unbearable terror of Superman. So I want, I'm curious what you guys think about, you know, the Snyderverse and its take on super heroism and whether or not, you know, the kind of realism that he tries to bring with his grimdark style is incoherent with the characters themselves. So like Batman, for example, in the Snyderverse has no moral compass and he can, he's totally fine killing people. Uh, but, you know, if you've got, a character with no rules, how do the villains of Gotham survive? Or someone like Superman, you know, being around him would just be terrifying because you'd always be worried that one day he's going to turn on you and, uh, you know, lay waste to the earth. And I'm wondering what you guys think about um, the way that these movies handle these characters and if there's a way to do it that actually would work, um, maybe it set in like the Injustice universe. Clark? Um, one thing I want to note is that Wonder Woman also murders somebody in this movie, which is very strange because yeah. moments before she's like talking to some child and being like, you can do <laughs> anything you want to do. And then she like lightning, like, you know, shoves her uh, arms together and blows a man up and the wall fucking breaks open. I was like, Jesus Christ, this is, this is, this is not a well woman. We keep talking about how like she is so put together. And I'm like, uh, no, 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 no. It's schizophrenic as fuck right there. Or bipolar, or nah, whatever. Back and forth as fuck. She um, went to the kid and said, that... watch this. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm going to kill this man. Uh, the other thing I was talking, I was thinking is that why, since I watched the uh, original fir- uh, second, Superman just, like according to all the other movies, is just like a monster who yeah. everyone hates because he destroyed, like helped destroy an entire city. And then, in, like in between then fought batman and destroyed some more shit 
they never show moments where he's like a true hero. But in the original original one, remember they have the video of like the kids shooting it from their phones and like everyone's like, oh, well, Superman, blah, blah, blah. And he makes some like qu- quippy joke. And I'm like, this is showing Superman as a human right. being, which nothing ever shows in this movie or in the other movies. It shows him as a, a guy who's actually a hero who saves fucking people. Like, wh- I know it's not grimdark or not quasi grimdark enough for Snyder, but I need something that shows he's it, people actually would give a shit. Why is why is Tower Bridge have a giant fucking not flag to him, but whatever tarp yeah. to his sadness of being gone? It, it, why would London give three shits anyways? Kaylin. <laughs> it's apparent to me that Snyder got his uh, love for these characters or storylines from the dark dystopian versions of them. Dark Knight Returns, I've mentioned before, clearly that's an influence. Like his Batman is older, has been doing this for a little bit longer. He's not quite as old as Bruce Wayne and Dark Knight Returns, but he's certainly older than, you know, different uh, uh, versions we've seen in, in, in like the Christian Bale movies, the animated series and so on and so forth. Uh, so like he doesn't view them as heroes the way that I think normal people do. And I hate using that term, but normal people, Injustice, since Brent mentioned it, is a huge influence on him. The whole nightmare sequence, which we'll get into at some point, just the epilogue, and was also used in the in the sequences in Batman v Superman, is clearly his take on Injustice. Uh, it is so very much, he's so very much influenced by it. But the thing about like those dystopian versions of those characters, they work because that there is a contrast to them being, you know, a little bit more human, a little bit lighter, uh, more heroic. And so he's, he's like forgetting that part of it. He's jumping ahead to this stuff. It is very, it's a very adolescent take. And it really, really upsets me as somebody who's a huge DC fan. Adam? I will not stand for this injustice commentary, even though it's mostly <laughs> correct. But I think what, especially Caitlin about regards to where the storyline goes, because obviously in Injustice, that all starts because Lois Lane is killed by the Joker. But I think what's really, it's actually, I'm really glad you brought this question up, Brent, because what actually is so funny and what actually creates the Injustice universe is the fact that the Batman in that universe doesn't want to kill. So this becomes a huge crack in their foundation because Superman is taking any means necessary, which is kind of what he generally has done in this DC extended or uh, enterprise, you know, I don't know what it's called, DCEU, but it's like- The Enterprise. In their enterprise universe, yeah, it's actually a tie to Star Trek, but it can't even work because the Batman in this has no real moral ground to do or say anything differently. Because the fact that they even have the epilogue where there has to be this kind of chatter between Batman and Joker and leaving it because, like, that, like, it all works because Batman doesn't want to kill. And obviously, it's kind of a it's a it's a good rule for comics, kind of a potentially weird rule in real life when you think about half of the shit these villains do but this this fundamentally doesn't work because what we're all talking about wonder woman's killing people i like what is to stop or separate heroes from villains and and i agree wholeheartedly that since man of steel superman besides the theatrical cut edits from justice league has never been shown anything other than this weird alien creature that's super strong people appreciate his saving their lives from an even eviler evil but they're still like, he's just a fucking destructive force of nature. No one sees him as this like 
until I guess Batman v Superman Ultimate Cut. Then when they start calling him this Jesus figure, but it, none of it all works because it is it's so much bouncing back and forth and so much like ricochet and whiplash over pit, them picking and choosing how these characters are are featured and revered in the world because they can't decide on what would actually happen if these people committed these acts kind of thing. Brent? I was genuinely surprised when they uh, did not, when Snyder did not include the scene uh, where they're under the island and um, the Flash is nervous about his kind of first mission and he doesn't really know what to do. And Batman recommends just save one person. It was a moment I actually very much liked um, and I thought it was a very good, heroic, hopeful message. And then to lose that for slow motion of some guy walking to water. It's just like, <laughs> where are your priorities? I don't, I don't understand uh, why you would get rid of a, uh, something like that, which you need to feel genuine hope when the heroes win. Um, Ryan. With, with that all said, I think they avoided that because it, it turned into that terrible, the awful scene of like, I guess they're in Arizona because everything's red or something. <laughs> and um, it's that truck scene with those fucking, that family that he's like, I saved this family. And it was so fucking dumb. That's, they're that is the they're worst Russian. scene. That is the worst scene from the first movie. And it is awful. Caitlin. You mean, you mean when, um, when the Flash says Dostoevsky to those Russians as some sort of horrible joke? That's what the quarantine felt like right there. Caleb. Yeah, the, those that Russian family was annoying as fuck, but at least uh, in that version, it showed them being heroes. We didn't yeah. get that in this version at all. Like, like, again, Snyder just does not understand these characters. Going Since Adam, you mentioned Man of Steel, the way he writes, you know, John Kent, Pa Kent, Kevin Costner playing him, basically telling uh, Clark, don't show off who you are. Don't be a hero. He's about to get killed by a tornado. He tells him to stop. Don't save me. My life isn't worth your secret. I'm like, what interpretation of a Pa Kent is this? It's bizarro. A bad one. <laughs> a bad one, yeah. Clark. Um, there was an earlier question we didn't um, get to that I was actually not sure about, but Zack Snyder talking about how he wanted to create a mythological story. I mean, I think he did that in that mythological gods are dicks all the time half of them are raping all these people hair is a monster also even though her husband is molesting everybody and raping everybody because she's killing all the people that he's raping and molesting it's like they're all shitty they're none of them are real heroes because like fucking hercules you know he does all these stuff and saves a day but he also rapes somebody he also kills a lot of people it's just fucking it's a complete mess and it makes sense that all these characters are just dicks mission accomplished it sounds yeah. <laughs> uh, Caleb? Uh, adding yeah adding to the myth mythology stuff i think the most interesting mythological stories from across every pantheon are when the humans get involved like the story of prometheus in greek mm -hmm. mythology yeah. uh or even uh going to you know as raised hindu like hindu mythology which is part of the religion where you have Krishna when he's younger is like kind of a little bit of a prankster. Like that is what makes it really interesting and in how he relates to actual human beings. If you're just doing a movie and story about gods versus gods, it's like you lose any kind of a human touch there. And if, the, if you wanted to do that, then he should have made the POV character somebody else, not 
The Flash, not Cyborg, not Superman, not Wonder Woman, not Batman. We should have gotten more Ares and Zeus now, considering they were in the past and you know they still exist-ish. Well, Wonder Woman killed Ares, but just the same. Ares should have used his fucking axe one more time and just fucking <laughs> killed um, a dark side. That pissed me off so hard. Should have like, should have gone for the head, right? Yeah, it's literally exactly the same thing. Bother me, with shit. All right, um, Adam, you had something. Oh no, I was gonna I was gonna say I'm glad you brought that up, about that up about the mythological question because I do think it is a sad mission accomplished of like when you when I think of like powers and there's like tons of other comic books where they feature gods or god-like characters, but they're usually played to your point as the assholes that gods were or god type people were in previous things where they don't care about the everyman. But I think exactly what you're saying, Kalen, is these characters do. Like they we have spent, I don't know, oh what, a hundred years of comic writing. Like they're all of these characters are inherently built to care about the everyman. So going in with a idea that you even want to tell a mythological story about these things means you're already removing what makes them, them the most interesting on their everyday basis or where they're normally featured and successfully featured uh, kind of idea. Right. Uh, let's move on to part four, changes big and small. So uh, I'm going to throw out some of the uh, major changes we saw, and I want to get your guys' uh, reactions to them. So pardon the pun, but Cyborg got more fleshed out. Um, do you think any of that helped his, uh, your interest in his story, seeing more of the dynamic he had with his father, Silas Stone? Uh, Kalen? Uh, I only in the sense that, it, uh, as I said before, Ray Fisher got a little bit of justice there. Again, pardon the pun. But I just, I don't like Cyborg in the context of the Justice League. I've only really liked him in like the, in the Teen Titans and mostly even in the Teen Titans cartoon or just sort of play him up for as like the straight man with a bunch of like, you know, uh, for laughs. I, I just don't care for this character. I just don't at all. Clark? Kayla and I, yeah, we had a long chat but earlier this week about this exact fact and how he shouldn't be in Justice League, either the comics or this. And the comics brought, put him in there so he could be in the movie and make it make sense. But anyways, um, I... I'm glad, as Caitlin said, I'm glad he was fleshed out, but his storyline is cliche and boring as fuck. I was, I mean, I like, I do like his father was included more and, you know, sacrifice himself, blah, blah, blah. But everything else about it was so boring and pedestrian. Um, did you like the addition on, so we also at the beginning got um, a change, a massive change from being the world in mourning at Superman's death to Superman ring screaming uh, until it wakes all the mother boxes, uh, which are apparently scared of him. Uh, do you guys think that this was too stupid looking or did it actually help? Adam? I think it looked stupid, but I did think it was a good reason to start the kind of process and that it broke open with the Amazonian box. So I appreciate that little twist to kind of get the plot started, but it took 15 minutes too long to show that scene. Ryan. Also, if you're going to replace the weird TikTok intro from the original <laughs> where there's weird mustache things going on or not going on the entire time, like this is the better intro of the two, but it's still bad. Right. <laughs> That's um, my takeaway for the movie. <laughs> <laughs> 
so we also got uh, Lois Lane, who was is no longer working for the Daily Planet. She is kind of existing more in grief. Um, do you think that this kind of grief was carried out well? You know, she, I, I would, I did like uh, that she was not the big gun that Batman had Alfred wheel out to defeat Superman, <laughs> but that she was coincidentally just hanging out near uh, the ship at the right time. Kaylin. Lois Lane is probably one of my favorite characters of all time, and I hate Amy Adams as Lois Lane. So um, I felt very conflicted about this, and I I don't like her interpretation of it. I think it's off, and I think Amy Adams is a very good actress. I just think she's not Lois Lane to me. So the less of her, the better. So I second that 100%. I, I think she's the worst cast member of the entire squad. Uh, I just, it's just, uh, to your point, like I grew up on Lois Lane from Superman, the animated series, and I don't see any of that throughout all of these movies she's been in. And it makes me so angry because the original voice actress is great. The character is written so well. All I want is that like fun, snippy journalist that is at this point now, because of things like Lois Lane, the kind of stereotype, but boy, does it fit so much better for what I don't, I just don't even know what, what Amy Adams or Lois Lane in these movies is really supposed to be as a character. Uh, one quick one quick point about the animated series version uh, that was Dana Delaney who did the voice acting she's a great actress herself uh, did a lot Danny of DeVito? Stuff. <laughs> just <laughs> no great. um uh and Margot Kidder uh who played her in the Christopher Reeves Superman movies is just absolutely phenomenal so there's so many great Lois Lane right. out there in the comics in other medium and like Amy Adams is bad Terry Hatcher bad <laughs> One of the best. Always falling in digital plants and animated nonsense. Sounds good. I do feel like there's a part of this Lois Lane that it's very weird to design a character this way, but she is a woman in a fridge that hasn't yet been put there. It's right. like, <laughs> like, we're just waiting oh my God. for her. It's, like, it's such a, it's a it's weird so character true. because she is just being set up for the possibility of a of another movie where Superman uses that as a motivation for his being. You're so right. She has no agency of herself so except for being about Superman. Oh man, that's so good. So um, we also got a little bit more interaction for Alfred, um, in particular with he actually does meet Superman, which was something that was filmed and cut from the first movie and um, uh, Wonder Woman. What did you guys think of Alfred? Did you? I mean, Jeremy Irons is kind of a treasure. Caleb? He's the best thing about the movie. Uh, like, I think he's just embarrassed to be there because he's so <laughs> much a cut above everybody. He's a great interpretation of Alfred. He's much more than, he's almost like the younger version of the, uh, um, oh God, what's the actor's name in the uh, Christopher Nolan uh, movies? Uh, Michael Caine. He's the younger, like clearly Michael Caine. Say it right, had, had ex- <laughs> Ma- Michael, uh, Michael Caine. Uh, oh God. He, but like Jeremy like, Irons, <laughs> Jeremy Adrian, Irons, Adrian Veitch, Adrian Veitch. Uh, but, uh, but he's like he is so such a badass, and he's got such charisma and presence. I just wanted to be the, the movie to be about him. He's the anti Lois Lane for me in this. Agreed. Um, Clark, did you have anything you wanted to add on uh, Alfred? No, I said agreed. That's exactly what I was going. I was going to say panache, <laughs> but besides that. Uh, what did you guys think of the, I think they cut down Jim Gordon a little bit. Um, any, 
I don't feel like there was any loss there, and I'm not sure he was necessary for any part of the movie. No, that's fine. Yeah, that's fine. Right. Uh, he turns um, on a light switch. Like, let's not give him more than he deserves, honestly. They're like, look at this cool picture of a bat. Oh, <laughs> man, that doesn't seem like Batman, does it? Okay, thanks, Jim Gordon. <laughs> uh, part five. Uh, no, once again, I, superhero I need movies. To, I need to talk about The Flash. Okay, let's talk I about The Flash. I have never hated a character more than I hate him. He is unwatchable. That first 20 minutes of just stupidity with some goddamn dogs where nothing he ever says is funny. And he has to like slow-mo save fucking Iris in her car. And they're looking at each other like they're already fucking married. It was motion. It was just offensive to me. I never laughed at anything he fucking did ever. He kept fucking falling and bleeding everywhere. And they're like, we need you right now. And he's like, wait, I've got to continue bleeding for a little bit. And he did the same thing when with the fucking mother cube, whatever their fucking thing's called. Um, when they were trying to like revive Superman, he like fucking like it doesn't get there fast enough and trips and blah blah blah. And he's like waiting for them to say yes. And I'm like, God fucking damn it, I hate you. I, I, I just want, I just um rewatching the rewatching the other the watching the other one afterwards, he's hokey as fuck, but it, it at least somewhat lands. It doesn't land at all here. And I do not want to watch the Flash movie at all if he's going to be like this. Like, not even slightly. It's awful. Caleb. Um, the worst thing that Flash did in the theatrical cut was make a bad joke about brunch, which we kind of shot on in, in our, our review of that movie four years ago. The worst, thing he do- the worst thing he does in this is when he goes to save Iris and he, like, is like caressing her face. It's so yeah. creepy oh. and cringy and quasi rapey. And I'm like, yeah, you're like you're touching her in a in a in a very intimate and familiar way, and she's not oh. giving you consent, even though y'all made googly eyes at each other for like a hot second. It's such a bad scene. It's so bad. And like knowing what we know about Ezra Miller, like all of that, just like fucking, oh God. it just creeped me out so badly. He's also holding a hot dog the entire time he's doing this gross that's the part i liked awful it's so weird (laughs) ryan couldn't take his eyes off that hot dog (laughs) it was weird how just like it was straight up anger i had at him like it was just seething whenever he had a scene yeah i was not expecting uh the flash to violate someone's personal space while they're in a car accident um (laughs) it seems like a very weird choice ryan but but doesn't it just kind of prove effectively that Zack Snyder maybe doesn't know how to do comedy correctly no, no, because it's, it's it's just obvious male top uh, like male the yeah. entire time and so like there's no room to literally breathe because it's like <laughs> everyone is just screaming at the top of their lungs at all times. Um, I mean, there's a market for it, so I get it, but it, like, he just, he shouldn't even try to play in the comedy field whatsoever. Eh? The only other one who ever makes jokes is Aquaman and his jokes are just boring, bad one line nonsense where but you it, laugh because he's hot. Yeah. No, 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 no. Oh, I, do. I, I cringe I do. because it's all, oh God, it's so, <laughs> I don't know. Uninteresting. <laughs> Is so uninteresting in this movie. Everything he has is basically Wonder Woman does it better. 
trip. Well, he I still kept the my man line. Yeah, it, the, so well, there you there's go. That. There's a bad <laughs> shitty joke right there. Awful. Um, but aren't you excited now to see the Flash break the speed of light in ways that nope. don't make any sense? <laughs> we no. we get a whole movie of it. <laughs> All right, moving on. Part five. Once again, superhero movies make everything about father issues. Clark has two dads that both died and he couldn't save them. Uh, Arthur's Clark, father. I'm so sorry. I was, I was so confused when I read this. Uh, Clark remembers how you repressed that. <laughs> the people downstairs in this house Barry's I'm in are just like prison. strangers who've stolen me. Uh, oh, yeah. I didn't even realize that until now. Uh, <laughs> Cyborg has yeah. only daddy issues, and uh, Steppenwolf has serious daddy issues, Darkseid. Um, what do you guys think about how much, you know, obviously parental issues are an important ground for the basis of a lot of our stories and conflict, but how much does depicting these characters as having parental issues being a kind of defining trait limit them and in is there any ways that we can use the comics to make something like this have more depth? Adam? I think it's it's definitely a two-prong issue because I think like um, Clark mentioned, it's all very surface level, right? So like Cyborg was definitely the biggest daddy issue story, um, but every single other person in this fucking movie has some sort of father issue or only mother positives, as we know from the Amazonians. But I think like uh, Ryan was saying too, this is all based around like, and I don't, I'm gonna sound stupid and annoyingly esoteric, but it's like, it is all based around like hyper-masculinity issues. Like the fact this is like, a, you know, a cisgender guy, straight guy writing about cisgender straight guy issues, which is usually typically revolved around daddy issues. And this happens in any number of, it's almost as big of a trope as refrigerating your girlfriend. Um, and it's just very aggravating to have seen that repeat itself so many goddamn times like at least come up with some specific reasonings or changes as to why these would be different i do feel like author like or uh i was sorry aquaman because i can't say author correctly i do think aquaman's a little bit different and i do appreciate the fact that they were very focused on like uh you know his mom on the throne kind of idea so i did like that sort of gender kind of twist uh but yeah overall i mean these are all just it, we, it's all been there, done that. And I think Clark is exactly right of like, if you're gonna tell a four hour movie, you better have a story at a depth level worth telling essentially. So, uh, cool. Yeah, dead, dead parents is the biggest trope of all time. This has been happening since, as we were talking about mythology, this has been happening since before writing existed. This is ancient Greece. This is like uh, ancient China. This is, this is how it works. I'm not surprised at all that comics are littered with this because that is how things work. Every fucking Disney princess well, almost has a bunch of dead parents. This yeah. is how it happens. <laughs> I, it's not going to change. It, it, the hero's journey involves mostly, most of the time some sort of horrible death of someone, usually father or girlfriend. Um, so, I mean, I don't see how it's going to change. Uh, but then then we got we oh, i mean sorry. we do have comics like um kamala khan and um uh she, well you know miss marvel whose parents are all alive and they have a functional family and they actually like have good dynamics so it could happen it's just not the norm yeah 
Yeah, I uh, guess I was asking the question more from the basis of are there motivations that are provided within comics for these particular characters that would make this movie better? Like Cyborg's not just dealing with daddy issues, that instead he's dealing with identity and, you know, having survived a very traumatic thing and having, you know, technology that's taken him over. Uh, Kaylin. Yeah, I actually think that's a really good point because clearly with characters like Batman and Superman, their mythology is so ingrained into the collective consciousness. You know, Batman's parents die in Crime Alley. Superman's parents, they put him in a rocket as he's leaving Krypton. That is part of who they are. You cannot really change that. Otherwise, you change the turn them into different characters. Cyborg is such he's not he's not such a new character the character is maybe 40 some odd years old but he's relatively new to the public consciousness and you could reinvent him a little bit and not make him about that you could have reinvented the flash they kind of did in the worst way but they kept the stuff about his father being in prison and you know being accused of killing his mother which we've seen in the cw show uh it's a retcon to jeff johns who is way too similar to Zack Snyder for my, my taste uh, in the way he approaches uh, writing heroes. Um, you know, they could have like found a different way to do it, but like, it's like they doubled down all the parental issues to the point where like, it, it just feels like a farce now. Uh, Clark and then Ryan. Um, and we were seeing the same thing with Cyborg in um, what the fuck show were we watching? Doom, Doom, Pat- Doom Patrol. It's literally Doom Patrol. exactly yeah. the same storyline. I think a lot of these characters, they the before they have like the interesting stories, it's always parental stuff first, and then they go through cyber goes yeah. through the what am I a robot? Do you out of the loo? But first he has to do the parent shit beforehand, and I don't know how they're going to change that because people humans that watch these kind of things will glom onto because they've got parents, they got all this stuff. How would they deal if their parents are dead? They wouldn't. They, right. It's not their first thought is how would I deal if I was a robot? That's their second thought in these <laughs> situations. <laughs> Ryan, I I just don't know why they're not like okay. So everyone's got like parent issues, but like why not just be like, hey, my literal dick blew off, and now it's all metal <laughs> and crazy. Like maybe. I have a supportive family, but my dick blew off. Like, let's explore that. Like, literally disformities, like other stuff <laughs> happens other than just your parents. Maybe your dick blows off. You know what I mean? Like, let's get <laughs> Stop into that. Saying maybe your dick blew off. This is R-rated, right, Snyder? So let's Ryan. fucking see that dick blow off. Ryan, I'm saying did you that. blow your dick let's off? See it. <laughs> Graphically. All right, Caleb. Caleb. I'm going to say that's a daddy chill issue. I can't hear about your dicks being blown off anymore. Please stop. You guys can't handle real issues. Okay. Like your dick being blown off. (laughs) Cyborg just keeps bringing it up. (laughs) My dick! We're fighting Steppenwolf. I'd watch an extra seventh part if it was just Cyborg talking to the various <laughs> other characters in the Snyderverse about his dick blowing off. His dick got refrigerated. I'm into it. <laughs> you asked the question. That's I mean, the as, as, a, as a way to like reattach it? Sure. Yeah, don't you remember in T-Titans number 72 from the 80s? <laughs> That's when, when they just grafted it on to his robot body? <laughs> 
There's some okay, weird Clark, do you have, on top do you have of an actual point? point? <laughs> do you have an actual point, Clark, or are we going to move? No, I just want to say that. Oh, no, the other thing, oh. I do want to say that besides Alfred, my second favorite character, the only one I really supported was Steppenwolf. I wanted him to kill them all. I wanted him to smash <laughs> all their brains in, get it, finish it up. Dark seed is like a dark side is all pleased and just there you go. Alfred can come and say hi and then that's fine. Okay. I would honestly, I, 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 sorry, real real quick. I honestly would have respected this movie so much more if in the Snyder cut, knowing that he can never, he'll never come back to these characters. He just gives it like that, like dark ending. <laughs> and I'm like, I would have been like, okay, huh? That's impressive. Yeah, actually, that would have been cool. Um, so for our last segment, part six, stupid things. Uh, I'm going to list stupid things. You get to list stupid things. And we're just going to vent about how dumb they are. Um, one that comes to the top of my mind is that Cyborg sees bull and bear markets literally. <laughs> that in his understanding of finance, it's a literal bull and a literal bear. Kaylin. I, I, I fucking love that, actually. It was so stupid. It was so, so stupid that I had to give it some respect. Uh, I can confirm uh, that was the point in the movie that my boyfriend fell asleep. Andrew was like, okay, I'm checking out. Fuck this Also, Cyborg is constantly naked. Um, uh, yes. We, just, we discussed uh, that. I think we covered that. Weird thing. I think we like, covered yeah. that. Yeah. yeah. No, he needs uh, to cover um, that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Get- did you guys like the uh, Arkham Home for the Emotionally Troubled? That seems like a very like cis white male way of trolling and trying to update Arkham's name. Um, that was okay. Caleb. So that again, going back to uh, Snyder's like absolute love for like Frank Miller and Ugh. Alan Moore and all that stuff. That is straight up from Dark Knight Returns, where Arkham Asylum becomes the Arkham Home. And it is a play off of how like 80s pop psychology was uh, undercutting like uh, like the male like sort of like machismo. Uh, that's where the Joker is. He is in the Arkham home for troubled whatever. Clark? I think it also connects with his um, Snyder's own daughter's mental illness. <laughs> Not being Ooh. like that. She was insane. Uh, that yeah. kind of thing. Oh, yeah. Um, how stupid did you guys think it was uh, that uh, Dark Side apparently has an enormous church with stained glass windows of himself? <laughs> love I'm it. Not, that, he's a god. That, I, I love that. That 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 to me tracks. Uh, that makes I, sense. My favorite was that him and Granny Goodness and Desad and a bunch of other people had like nothing better to do than like every kind of fifteen minutes checking in on Steppenwolf to be like, how's How's it going? Is it going okay? Yeah. <laughs> is it, are you sure you're okay? Is it, do you need any help? Okay, you got this. It's like, you need to stop. There's such micromanagers. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I love that. That's every major corporate structure though. Like all the people at the top are just like, hey, oh, oh, oh what, about, what do we do now? Hey, what if we do that? <laughs> no, you're right. It's Stephen Wolf's like daily stand up. With his like, he's like, yeah, I'm in this territory right now. I'm just checking in. You know, it's going well. I'll be able to report, and this is what I'm going to do today. This is what I learned yesterday. I'll let you guys know what's going on tomorrow. Right. And he's like, I'm just bringing the goodness as usual. You know, like, like same old, same old, same old. You know, 
Was anyone Our upset that, that Granny Goodness was not like a full-figured woman, considering yes. she is in like ninety-five percent of you know her her comic um, scenes slash whatever yes. comic issues? Very strange and annoying to me. I didn't it even was like almost... was that Granny Goodness. Yeah, it was almost as bad as in the in arrow when they had amanda waller and she was this gorgeous gorgeous woman i'm like no amanda waller is older she's curvaceous she looks like a brick viola even viola davis who i think is a phenomenal actress is too gorgeous to play her like you gotta have somebody who is so intimidating as an individual and you, you don't tap into like any kind of conventional beauty about them yeah, let them be how they want to be. Not this fucking slim ass cheese ball-y. Well, this is the same cheese ball that we've got throughout this fucking movie is, you know, you have to be, if you're a woman, you have to be fucking gorgeous and perfect looking and the guys can be all fucking crazy because of their dad issues. <laughs> um, one thing that we have not talked much about up to this point is uh, the additional visuals and how everything looks like a cut scene from a video game. How... Uh, much of a problem was it for you to watch? Um, and do you think it was a good trade-off to improve Superman's mustache area at the cost of the dumbest fight scenes um, ever ever put to uh, a DC film? Clark? So we lost 45 minutes of our lives by just watching slow-mo stuff in this movie. And sometimes it'll literally just be frozen moments and someone will slightly turn around and move and do something. I, I wanted them to end. I wanted it to... That, that last fight for 35 minutes or however long it was, was, was exhausting. And of course we got her, the, the, the women's screams of, you know, the Di- the Amazon music <laughs> stuff that never ended. Literally versions, it's in a five minute span. She would jump on a different fucking car and then they play it again. And then they play it a second time. And you're like, no, this isn't like every hour. This is every second now. Oh, I, li- I like that part. That was my favorite in, part. I mean, actually. I laughed. The only time I got a genuine laugh in that movie was that. And I don't think that was supposed to have a genuine laugh. No, the, the most egregious slow-mo scene was the sesame seed coming off the bun of yes. the burger of the guy driving the truck when he oh, drops yeah. his burger <laughs> and is about to crash into Iris. And actually, that guy might be my favorite character because he was about to kill off some very, very annoying characters. So uh, I actually, I know. But the, the sesame seed coming down, I was like, this is a parody <laughs> of a Snyder film. And it's like, this This would be hilarious as like like a, like a, like a Zucker Brothers or like a Mel, Mel Brooks type like uh, send up. But clearly mm-hmm. it's not a send up. Um, Adam, did you like uh, Bloodbending Mira? I actually, I kind of did. I did like, I like, I thought the Atlantis fight was pretty cool, actually, because I, it was like, not that Amira was going to die, but I thought it was like, well done enough. I think in general, I mean, what, this movie's like budgets at $300 million at this point. I was like, that does not look like a fucking $300 movie. I'm sorry. Like, it's so aggravating to watch so many like bad choices build on each other because I just think there are nuggets and there are certain parts of the fight scenes like, I thought one of the best things that they did in terms of flipping the CGI was to make Darkseid the villain of the historical moment. Cause I think that added a lot more weight to it. And was just simply a more interesting fight with Darkseid instead of 
Steppenwolf or generic action boss. <laughs> he's like, Steppenwolf looks like a fucking mid boss from a game. Like he is literally the character you kill before the big bad is revealed. And like, that's, you can't have that in a movie. You can like make fun of that aspect, but like the character should not look like that uh, or act like that too. Um, no, I like Bloodberry Namira. And I also loved how pissed she was in the epilogue. I was like, I don't know if she's talking about Darkseid or Superman, but she's go talking about Superman. If she's talking about Superman, it could have been Darkseid. You don't even know. <laughs> All of the uh, um, the the water scenes I thought were pretty funny because they're a species that's developed the ability to live and and you know oh. really manipulate water. And every single time they meet together, they have to open it up and put a bubble around them my, so they can talk that- on land. No, my favorite was when she had to do that while Steppenwolf was choking her so they could talk about what they were going to do. I was like, this, that's where I was like, okay, wait, this is the stupidest fucking thing I've ever seen. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Uh, Ryan. Best glow up. Steppenwolf, you look so good. You sharpened all those weird knives that cover your body. You look so much better. I I loved it. it. I thought that was a cool redesign. So shiny, so pretty. Kind of looked like that thing in fucking Thor, the first one. Like, I, right. I really liked it. I, it was so much better. Just a piece for the eyes. He Jim. looked a little bit like um, something out of, like, you know, Apex Twin, the Come to Daddy video, which is probably the scariest video I think I've ever seen. So I sort of enjoyed that. But I'm sorry. Like, just the motivation of both Steppenwolf and Darkseid were so generically... Ugh. Like, the best villains are the ones that they have a real motivation. I mean, Thanos and Darkseid are obviously compared. Uh, You know, they have, like, you know, interesting kind of, like, similar overlaps, but it's both Marvel and DC. With Thanos, it's like, he's trying to do a noble thing in a very bad way. Like, Darkseid, like, what's your motivation, really? Like, you, they kind of talk about the anti-life equation later on, but, like, they, that could have easily have been his motivation and have Steppenwolf do that. It's all about not just destruction, but it's the subjugation of, of, of free will. Of, of uh, it's, it's essentially slavery, and they could have really leaned into it. And they just like completely like just like they did, they swept it under the rug. They didn't even talk about it. Wouldn't you remember the location of the one world that fought back and stopped you? Of the, I, like uh, no, you I lost the mother boxes? tens of thousands of ones that defeated you i mean were defeated that you would remember this one especially one that had the fucking analyze equation written on fucking somewhere yeah i had an extremely hard time with connecting the dots on that one because i was like what like yeah why would that why would it be a surprise that that was also the planet because you left the mother box you also summoned essentially or at least that's what i thought was like him smashing the hammer back in the flashback was indicative of uh of the fact that like he was he thought he found the anti-life equation. Like I, I always found it surprising that Stefan Wolf was the one who discovered it. But yeah, it was all it was a little bit messy in that regard. But none of the movie makes sense. So I, I think it's okay. Yeah. <laughs> Kaylin, so anything as... before we switch? Yeah. No, oh, go ahead. Uh so let's do our epilogue. Um <clears throat> kind of do you think that this experiment um will help or hurt future DC films? Like, do you have any interest in the possibility of sequel related to any of these characters or content? Ryan? It will only hurt. A movie comes out and it is done. And everyone needs to shut the fuck up about it once it's done. 
It, it has already been completed. We already saw that movie. So let's not watch it again. Age of Ultron sucks my dick every day. But I'm not asking for a uh, Russo Brothers cut. Like, sometimes a bad movie is just a bad movie. And we need to move on. And this was a better movie, but also still bad. Also, when you lay out everything that's bad about a certain movie, you, you can fix some things. And he didn't fix everything. So the, yeah. it says a lot that this is still not better. Stop. I think remake. Let's, I don't want a president to remake movies going forward. It would be crazy. Clark. I think the just continuous battle between the WB and Snyder fans uh, is, is going to destroy DC movies. Yeah. It's such a huge contingent. The fact that everyone and their dog is talking about the Snyder cut right now, it means that no one's going to give three shits about these other ones that are smaller and totally unrelated. I, it's strange as shit. And it's, it's very frustrating that this, I mean, I don't really, you know, I don't care about DC much, but at least I would, I like good movies to exist and not be shit upon because it's not exactly what I want to do. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, I was going to uh, let Adam go. Okay. Oh, um, I, yeah, I don't really want to see any more in this universe, but that also includes the non Snyder movies as well. So I think <laughs> regardless of whether or not this was coming out, I didn't really have much of an interest until DC decided to reboot its uh, movies or get to its actual worlds of DC. Cause again, I really like birds of prey. Like it wasn't perfect, but it was a fun really interesting use of like the character and a different kind of movie. It was like, I think there's, they just have to start moving towards that and like take a couple years, build up some energy. Cause the more, because they're going to keep trying to do it. Cause I know the flash they're trying to build in cyborg, which again, I think is really great uh, for the character and the actor, but like it's the dots don't need to be connected in a way that creates a mega story. Shazam worked really well. Wonder Woman 84 was terrible, but I'm sure they could probably mm -hmm. rebound out of it. Like, tell these characters, do the work you were supposed to do and spend 10 years like Marvel did, building up really strong individual characters and sequences and then bring them together. It's just, it is not going to work the way they keep rushing this. And sadly, it's like the fans want to keep rushing in and I, I really fucking hate it. Kalen? Yeah, I'm actually really looking forward to the uh, James Gunn Suicide Squad. I yes. never even saw the, mm -hmm. the original one because I heard it was so bad. And I, I did like Birds of Prey. I don't want to see a sequel. Obviously not. I would, however, like to see the fourth world characters handled in a little bit of a better way in a separate movie. Maybe yeah. focus it around Mr. Miracle, uh, who is a character who has a lot of potential. Nice. The uh, If you haven't read the miniseries by Tom King and Mitch Gerard. It is absolutely fantastic. It is delightful. It is both human and uh, about a, a mythology. And it's just so well done. Like, focus on that. Like, them, like, Ava DuVernay is supposed to be working on a new Gods film. I've got to believe it's going to be better than what we saw uh, over the last few days. So, so very, very much excited, excited for that. Uh, Clark, Jeez. you wanted to make a point? No, and I'm just going to say Ava DuVernay is, uh, DuVernay is juggling a billion things right now. So I don't know <laughs> when the hell it, my, my cousin Probably. is her, some sort of personal assistant manager. And she is like, she, she's got amazing stuff, but she is always up in the air with 45 things. And they're all good things. It's just when they're going to get done. 
that's true. Doesn't she have like some show on the CW coming out yeah, as well? Naomi. Netflix? Oh, she's involved with Naomi. Yeah, which is, I think she's involved with Naomi. Um, that sounds that sounds right to me. So, yeah, uh, wrapping wrapping up, um, do you guys want to do a quick rating based on any scale, uh, base ten, base sixty nine, anything you want to say about this movie? Uh, I'm gonna give it two out of two Martian Manhunter scenes. Unnecessary. Um, both the Martian Manhunter scenes and this whole film. So, but if uh, the original was like a four out of 10, this would probably be like a six for me personally. Yeah, that's, that's really point. high. Wow. That's crazy. Well, yeah. Clark, what about you? Um, I'd give it 150 out of 150 moments <laughs> where I wanted to throttle um ezra miller (laughs) (laughs) oh i bet you did honey (laughs) i mean i didn't even i didn't even think about it but remember when he throttled that that fan that woman fan in like iceland yeah yeah whoops i didn't mean that until i did no 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 well no like he didn't really throttle her he just like time slowed down and then he just was like he rubbed her face a little bit rubbed her face and like you know took like took the hair out of her eyes yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, well I he would... wanted to he wanted to like play with some dogs or something so he was hit it, touching her throat there you go <laughs> uh i i would give this uh 40 uncooked wieners out of 100 uncooked wieners from that scene that where time stood still when ezra mm-hmm. miller was being slightly rapey slight slightly saving uh iris uh all right so we have been homo superior this has been a review of uh, Zack Snyder's Justice League. Uh, please find us on um, on Instagram at Homosphere Podcast and on Twitter at Homosphere X. Also, we now have over a thousand followers on Twitter, so thank you so much. Uh, please do follow us on there, interact with us. We want to hear from you. Let us know what you think of this podcast. Let us know what you think of all of our podcasts. Uh, we'll talk to you soon. Thanks. Bye.